Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go right into um, our assignment, and we're going to begin in Psalm chapter 32 and verse 11. Psalm 32, 11. You know, one of the things that the Lord has spoken to me a, a little bit over a year ago is uh, the fruit of the Spirit is vital. And, you know, I remember when I, first, when I, when I was first learning to, to walk with the Lord and learning things of God, there were two different major, like, television, Christian TV shows and uh, one of them was very dynamic, and it was, you know, high intensity, ah, you know, preaching at, you know, that level, the whole, the whole show. And then my husband, he would like to watch Brother Copeland's show. And during that time, Sister Gloria was teaching on the fruit of the Spirit. Do y'all remember that, when she was teaching on the fruit of the Spirit? And, and I would just like, I, I want to go back over there where it was that high intensity program, you know, where they were, because, you know, she was down here at, a, it, I thought, a different speed or whatever, but she was plowing deep. Yeah. You know, you can't go fast when you're plowing deep. You got you to get that mule going slow. You got to get that tractor going slow because you're, you're plowing for the purpose of being able to plant something. Now, if you just want to hit it shallow, you can just speed on down the road. But if you want to go slow, to go deep, you got to go slow. And so I realize now in looking back that what I was getting out of her program landed in me and stayed with me longer than some of that high-intensity motivation. And so I want to encourage you to um, let the, the deep plowing of the Word of God take place. Keep your attention. I know sometimes, especially, you know, we're right here in between the cold and the heat. And so we've got the heat on and everybody's dressed, you know, for winter. And then you sit here for a few minutes and you might get sleepy. I understand. And so if I see, if, if, I, if I raise my tone a little bit, you know, just to get a little bit animated, I'm trying to help you out. Just trying, just trying to help you out, okay? But, but I want you to, to condition yourself to stay with that teaching part. You know, Pastor Caldwell, he would say, you know, because he's, he's heard my husband. He says, well, now your husband, he's a little bit more energetic than I am. And Pastor would compare himself sometimes, and he would say, you know, some of these other ministers in this conference may be more energetic than I am. He said, I'm the, the mild-mannered Clark Kent. Have you ever heard Pastor Caldwell say that? I'm the mild-mannered Clark Kent. But he could plant some things in you that stayed with you. When, when he was ministering, it was, it was things that were being planted. He was, he was plowing in the, the spiritual dirt and putting the seed down in your heart, and it stayed with you. And that's why many of you are where you are today, grounded and settled, Amen. because you learned how to sit in that service and, and um, track with the preacher. Amen. Amen. 
So let's look here at Psalm chapter 32. And again, we're talking about the fruit of joy today. And I want you to um, walk away from this session, this, this message, understanding that half joy is not acceptable. That what is acceptable to the Lord is that we have fullness. Fullness of joy. That's what he's, he's after in our life. So he wants us to cultivate joy to that level. That we stay with the cultivation because the fruit must be cultivated. You know, the gifts of the Spirit, there's, there's nine gifts of the Spirit, and there's nine fruit of the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit are gifts of the Spirit as He wills. And so you, by faith, yield to those to operate as He wills the gifts of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit, you've got to yield to it. You've got to cultivate and, and allow that development because the level of love you have today, you shouldn't be here next year. You should be advancing, yeah. right? The level of joy you have today, the, the development of the joy, we should be consistently cultivating that fruit so that we reach that level and then maintain that level of fullness. Amen. So when I'm talking today, I'm not trying to get you to shout. And I know there are times that the Holy Spirit will lead a minister along that way to teach on joy. And he wants the people responding, you know, with, with loud, you know, laughter or, or shouting or something like that. My goal today is to give you something to go home and put into practice. Yes. And put it to practice every day. So, because this is, this is lifestyle, a lifestyle of joy. Psalm 32, I want to look at verse 11. It says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Notice this instruction, be glad. The word glad means to shine with joyful brightness because of his aid and protection, the Hebrew goes on to say, to shine with joyful brightness. So if you are being glad, it's going to be evidenced with the shining of your face, the shining of your smile, shining with joyful brightness. Hallelujah. And then it says, this definition also means to take pleasure in. Be glad in the Lord. Take pleasure in the Lord. Shine with this joyful brightness and rejoice. Now, if you were to be instructed, if I were to say to you, just rejoice for me right now, somebody might say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, rejoicing. But by definition, it means to spin around and go in a circle to dance or leap for joy. So God likes expression. He likes expression. And so when he says to rejoice, there's going to be some movement in it. He, he wants us to put our whole body in, into, you, you put your whole self in. Don't take your whole self out. Put your whole self in. And you spin it all about. And you rejoice before the Lord. So he says, be glad. Shine with this joyful brightness. Rejoice. Spin around. Go in a circle. Dance or leap for joy. And shout. 
And this word shout means to give a ringing cry, to cry aloud, and it also has the definition to dance or leap for joy. So shouting is vocal, and it's also expressed with our whole body by jumping and leaping for joy. So this instruction is to you and I. It says, be glad in the Lord, rejoice ye righteous. This is the activity of the righteous. This is the behavior of those of us who've been made right by the blood of the Lamb. We have right standing with God. We have every reason to be shining forth with brightness. We have every reason to be spinning around, to be shouting with a, a loud voice, proclaiming a ringing cry, crying aloud, dancing and leaping for joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he says, shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. So this is our instruction. This describes our daily behavior, okay? Now, let me explain to you the opposite activity. Sorrow, to yield to sorrow, you can yield to joy, you can choose joy, or you can yield to the sorrow. And you know, there's sorrow, that heavy feeling, it's all around us. You can just let the news play too long and, and, and feel it in your house, right? You can let the wrong thing be playing the wrong sad story or, or uh, looking at all the, the murders or things on, that are posting on the YouTube or whatever it may be on the news. And, and you've got this heaviness. Well, it is a drain, Heaviness is a drain on the spiritual batteries. And so you can come to church all day on Sunday and you can get under the word and you can praise God and you can worship and then you go into your week, right? You're up on Monday and you're dealing with all these things that are heavy, these, these weights that are coming against you. And if you yield to that sorrow, it's gonna drain your battery like you had left an app playing in the background of your phone. I remember I had just gotten a phone. This was a number of years ago. We were down here. Um, uh, I was doing something over in Sherwood. It was before we'd moved here. But I'd gotten a new phone, and I kept, I'm like, this phone is too new for this battery to go down so fast. You know, I, I, I just charged it, took it off the charger in the morning, and it was a little bit after lunch, and I was already at empty battery. And I said, this is why is my battery going down? So, you know, that day Google was my friend. Not all the time is Google your friend, but that day I got some help from Google. I searched, you know, battery drain and it gave a list of things that were running in the background of my phone that were tearing my, that were, that were draining my battery. It was like a location service was one of the main things. And so that location service was all the time searching to identify where I was and send me, you know, alerts to where I was, what was available and different things. And I didn't recognize until it said, go through these different settings and turn these things off. And you know, I've never had battery trouble since. Since I learned how to turn those things that were draining my battery. And you know, I thought, I've had this issue for some time, you know, with other phones and just thought it was the old phone, but I knew it couldn't be a problem because this new phone shouldn't have been doing that, right? I didn't realize there was something draining my battery. And if, if you're not aware of it, sorrow will drain your batteries. 
and your spiritual batteries will be down on, on empty and you're trying to release your faith and you're trying to lay hold of things, you're trying to resist things and the spiritual strength doesn't seem to be there. And you're like, well, I know I haven't sinned. I haven't done anything. Lord, why do I have such, such low, low battery? Why is my battery low? And then the Holy Spirit begins to show you areas that maybe worry has been operating in the background, or maybe the, the sorrow of these different, act, of these different uh, events have been playing in the back of your mind. So you've got to guard against that. Let's look at some scriptures that reveal this to us. Proverbs 15 and verse 13 says, A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. By sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. The Christian Standard Bible says, a sad heart produces a broken spirit. The CEV translation says, sorrow can crush you. Sorrow can crush you. The ERV says, if you are sad, your spirit feels defeated. If you are sad, your spirit feels defeated. And the message translation really brings it home says, a sad heart makes it hard to get through the day. A sad heart makes it hard to get through the day. So let me ask you, are you obligated to be sad about anything? We just read the activity of the believer, the righteous. says, be glad in the Lord. I am authorized to be glad at all times. There is nothing that says, I have to yield that up and give that up and surrender that, that privilege up and yield to sorrow. That nothing that says, I am obligated to sorrow about this. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No matter how bad the situation is, can I find something to thank God for? Can I always, no matter how bad it looks, no matter what kind of pressure I'm facing, no matter what kind of difficulty is transpiring in my life, is it possible for me to find something to be thankful for, to give him praise about? Is he, see, here's what we've got to understand. Our praise, our rejoicing is not happiness. Joy is not happiness. Happy is based on what's happening. You get happy because of what happened. Joy is in him. He is our joy. The Bible says, my God, who is my joy. So he is our joy. I'm rejoicing in him. He never changes. He said, I am God. I change not. So if my joy is about his faithfulness, it's about his promises, it's about his covenant, it's about his, his long suffering, his mercy that endures forever. If my joy is in him and he doesn't change, my joy should never change. So I am authorized to be glad in the Lord at all times. Amen. Now, so if sorrow, if a sad heart makes it hard to get through the day, what will a merry heart do? What will a joy-filled heart do? Makes it easy to get through the day, doesn't it? 
Why? Because we're going to see as we go forward, you already know it, that the joy of the Lord is your So if joy is strength, then now I see that the reason God is, has given me a lifestyle of joy is because he wants me to live strong. He doesn't want me to be weak ever. Spiritually weak is not on his agenda for you on any day. So Luke 21, and I want the amplified of verse 34. Luke 21, and if you're in another translation, just follow along with us. Luke 21, verse 34 in the amplified classic says, but take heed to yourselves and be on your guard. Okay, now everybody, you've got your Doberman pincher ears up, right? You know, when those Doberman Pinchers hear something, both ears, boom, right? I'm listening. So he's just said, take heed to yourselves and be on your guard. What do I, I'm listening, Lord. What do I need to take heed and be on guard concerning? He said, lest your hearts be overburdened and depressed, weighed down. He said, I don't want your heart like that. I don't want your heart overburdened. What are you supposed to do if a care comes on you? Cast your care upon the Lord, for he cares for you. He doesn't want your heart overburdened or weighed down, depressed. And then he describes the giddiness and headache and nausea of self-indulgence. That's why the fruit of self-control is so vital. Because self-control keeps us on track. We're not yielding to the flesh. We're not yielding to ourselves. We're staying on track with God's will. So he doesn't want us weighed down with self-indulgence, drunkenness, and worldly worries. Did you see he put worry in the same category equal to drunkenness? Y'all know what drunkenness does to somebody? I mean, it... It makes them numb. It makes them forget things. It makes them act foolishly. He, he put the dangers of, of drunkenness on the same level with worry. And he says that it will overburden your heart. It will weigh down your heart. Worldly worries and cares pertaining to the business of this life unless that day come upon you suddenly like a trap or a noose. So a person who is yielded to worry, carrying that sorrow in their heart, they are not aware of what's happening around them. They're not aware, they're not spiritually aware of what's coming. Why? Because they're desensitized with all that care. That care is burdening them down. It is weighing them down. And so do you see why we've got to choose to be glad? Because when I practice being glad, then none of those things can stay on me. When you're rejoicing, you are are, um, in the rejoicing that spiritual strengthening is taking place and those cares can't stay on you. To put on the garment of praise, you have to take something else off, right? You take off that, that garment of mourning and you put on the garment of praise. So you can't be wearing the garment of praise going around saying, gloom, despair, and agony on me. 
You can't do it. If you got the garment of praise on, then you're not wearing that despair. You're not wearing that worry. Hallelujah. So our spiritual condition must be maintained and guarded to be aware of the things that are coming so that we can accurately respond. We want to be um, spiritually unready. You know, like they have uh, military and they have, them, they have them on call. They have them ready to go, right? We want to be spiritually ready to respond correctly. Let's look at Proverbs eighteen fourteen. We have to choose spiritual strength and prepare for it. Proverbs 18, 14, again, I want to read the Amplified here. It says, the strong spirit of a man. Is it possible for your spirit to be strong? The strong spirit, then that means it's possible for your spirit to be weak. We're talking about your human spirit. You've, you've got to develop your human spirit with the, the exercising of spiritual things, with the feeding of spiritual food, with the spiritual activity of, of prayer, praise, worship, hallelujah. He says, the strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. So it could be a physical sickness or a difficulty that a person is facing in life. But if your spirit is strong, You'll, that strong spirit will hold you up and maintain you on course during whatever trouble or physical attack. But it says, a weak and a broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? So if a person, not you, because you're here feeding tonight, but if a person is weak spiritually, and that physical attack comes against them, do you know what they have to do first? They have to go build their spirit up. They have to go strengthen. Now, you can do it, but I recommend just staying strong, guarding your health, spiritual health, your spiritual condition, so that you stay strong, so that if a physical attack comes, it's easier for you to resist. It's easier for you to maintain your victory in the midst of that. It says, a weak and a broken spirit who can raise up or bear? Let me read the, the message Bible. A healthy spirit conquers adversity. A healthy spirit conquers adversity. But what can you do when the spirit is crushed? And then the Wycliffe translation says, a person's spirit can sustain him in sickness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A person's spirit can sustain him. So when sickness comes, how do, I, how do I resist? I need my spirit strong so that I can stand against that. So I can resist that. So that I can dictate how this, come, how this, ends, how this comes out. We don't want the sickness dictating to us how things are going to go. Amen. We want to say, no, 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 no. I'm resisting you. You have no right to be in my body. I'm not letting you run your course in me. Amen. I stand against you. I'm, but to do that, you've got to have spiritual strength Amen. in place. And if a person has yielded to sorrow, to sadness, that spiritual strength is going to be violated. It's going to be drained. So how do we resist this sorrow, this sadness, this heaviness? Look at Isaiah 51, 
Verse 11. <clears throat> Isaiah 51, 11 says, therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return. Again, we're talking about our activity, the redeemed. This is you and I. We return and come with singing. We come with singing. That's how we, that's how we move. That's, that describes our activity. We come with singing into Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. Now, when you see that reference upon their head, it is a reference to the anointing, the anointing. Everlasting joy is an anointing over our life. We talked about the anointing this morning being, the word anoint means to rub or to smear all over. And so when everlasting joy is on your head, you are saturated with this joy. Hallelujah. So this reference to the anointing, we know in Psalm 23, 5, it says, you anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. But Hebrews 1 and verse 9 says that Jesus is anointed with the oil of gladness. So our High priest, our Lord, our master, our Christ is anointed. The anointed one and his anointing is an anointing of joy. It's a joyful, there's a joyful aspect to the anointing of God because joy is strength and his anointing is power. Do you see where we're going? Joy is strength and his anointing is power. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me with power, you could say, to, to preach deliverance to the captives, with the ability, with the power. So the anointing is, is the power of God, the spirit of God. But we see that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness. And it says, everlasting joy shall be upon your head and they shall obtain gladness and joy. And what happens when we obtain gladness and joy? Sorrow and mourning flee away. You want to get sadness out of your house? Rejoice in the Lord. Amen. You want to change the atmosphere in the, in the room? Charge it with the joy of the Lord. Amen. You don't have to feel happy to do it. That you don't have to have happiness to be joyful. Happiness is overrated anyway. Why? Because it is so unstable. Joy is stable. And so that's why you've got to develop joy. You've got to cultivate joy. And when you do, this joy will drive the sorrow out of the house. <laughs> it will drive it out of your thoughts. It will drive that sorrow away. I mean, heaviness is something you can feel. Have y'all ever faced something and you, it was like that heaviness just compelled you to go lay down and cover up with the blanket and just try to, to forget the world, right? That heaviness was so tangible because the enemy brings that, that feeling, that, that sensory mechanism to, to engage it into your life, to, to solidify it into your life, but it's not real. I will never forget the story that Kelly Copeland told about when her daughter had been taken on Christmas Day to the hospital 
with meningitis. She was a teenager and she woke up that morning with a, a fever so high they ran her to the hospital, and when they got to the hospital, the doctors informed her that there, this strain of meningitis has been running throughout the state, and there are a lot of children who have already lost their lives to it. We don't know how this is going to end up. They were pretty much telling her, it's 50-50 whether your daughter makes it or not. And she said, the fear was so tangible in the room. She could feel the fear on her, like the weight of it, like a, like a heavy blanket being put over you. And her sister, Terry Copeland Pearsons, came up to her and she said, Kelly, are you okay? And Kelly said, I will not fear. And when she said it, she said, the fear lifted. Yeah. Why? Because she resisted it. Yeah. The same thing happens when that sorrow, when that heaviness comes. And listen, if it's brought you to tears, you've let it, you've let it play too long. You've, you've let it play too long. If the thoughts have you over to a place, that sorrow of, of missing someone, that sorrow of, of, of not, if it's got you over to a place where you're crying, it, it's, it's been playing too long. Stop the record. Hit the, hit the eject button on that cassette, that CD. Don't let it keep playing, right? And then res you've got to resist it with joy. You've got to lift up your voice. You've got to release the joy to get it out of your heart, out of the abundance of the heart. Where does it come? The mouth speaks. To get it out into your situation, you're going to have to release it with your words. That's why you have to say something. You have to release that joy vocally, verbally, respond with your body, respond with your voice. It's coming out of your spirit, but your spirit is telling your body how we're going to act. We're not going to cry right now. We're not going to sit here and mourn about this. We're not going to sit here until the enemy has us so low. We are just eating a whole half gallon of ice cream out of the carton. We're not going to stay here and play that game. We're going to get up. We're going to rejoice in the Lord. We're going to lift our hands. We're going to have a praise parade. Hallelujah. Lily, Lily loves to uh, engage the praise parades at our house. Praise God. So the oil of joy is to be upon our head, everlasting joy upon our head. Now, most people only rejoice because an event has occurred that causes them to be excited or joyful. But you and I, we, we're cultivating, we're working on a building. Say, I'm working on a building. Working on a building, working on a building. Working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. It's a Holy Ghost building. It's a Holy Ghost building. Holy Ghost building for my Lord, for my Lord. Because I'm working on a building, I'm not going to wait till something happens. I'm not only utilizing the fruit of joy as an expression of happiness. I am instructed to maintain this lifestyle to be glad and to rejoice when evermore. Rejoice in the Lord always, right? Let's look at Psalm 6410. I'm not waiting for something to happen. I'm initiating the joy 
button. I'm initiating that joy on demand, on purpose, because I need strength. Not because I want to express a feeling, because I need the strength that the joy provides. God wants me to cultivate joy. He told me, be glad. Now, Psalm 64 and 10 says, the righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him and all the upright in heart shall glory. So what are we going to be? Are we going to be glad when something happens? No, we're going to be glad in the Lord and trust in him and glory in him. Psalm 102, verse 2 of chapter 100. Psalm 100 and verse 2. You probably will know it once I start it. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. This is instruction. You know, years ago, um, I was acquainted with a ministry that prepared people to go on the mission field, like like youth groups that were going to take mission trips. And one of the main things that they did was they, they helped teach the youth group, the people on that missions trip, what to expect in that region that they were going, what was proper protocol so that they didn't go in and offend the people with Western traditions. For instance, you've heard maybe in Asian cultures that it is rude for you to wear your shoes in their house. Well, we would think it was rude if somebody came and took their shoes off before they walked in our house. We'd be like, you need your shoes on your feet, okay, right? You know, but, but in, their, in their country, it's different. And so they would prepare them for the proper protocol. And this scripture is telling us, this is the protocol for the kingdom. Serve the Lord with gladness. Yes. Serve him with what? Gladness. How do you enter into his presence? Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm just a miserable person. I just sin so much. I'm just so failed at this, and I just messed up this. And, Lord, I need your help in this, and I'm so sorry, Lord. Is that how you come before his presence? No. Come before his presence singing. Singing. So gladness and singing. This is protocol for the presence of the Lord. The Passion Translation says, as you serve him, be glad and worship him. Sing your way into his presence with joy. Sing your way into his presence. So it's like, it's like, good morning, Lord. It's so good to be your child today. I love you, Jesus. Right? Yeah, just sing your way into his presence. I I remember, you know, I love musicals. Y'all like musicals? And, and one day, one of my children, she said, she said, wouldn't it be great if life could be a musical? Wouldn't that be cool if life could just be a musical and we could just break out into song at any moment? Well, why not? He said, come before his presence. Sing your way into his presence with joy. Uh, one translation says, enter before him with shouts of triumph. That's what, he, he wants to hear you joyful. Not whining, not complaining, not, not tearing yourself down, not talking about all your failures. If you need to repent, repent and start singing. Amen. Repent real quick and start singing. 
He doesn't want long repentance and a little bit of singing. He's a just, just repent and then sing, sing, come on, you're on, sing, sing your way into his presence, enter before him with shouts of triumph. The message says, sing yourself into his presence, bring a gift of laughter, bring a gift of laughter. Have you ever thought about your laughter being a gift that God enjoys? I mean, what do you give God? It's like, like what can I give God? He said, here's what I want. Give me some laughter. Come, come enjoying my presence. Right? Bring, bring me a gift of laughter. That's what God enjoys. Hallelujah. God has chosen your wardrobe. He has chosen the wardrobe for you to wear. Let's look at Psalm 30, verse 11. God has dressed us in the appropriate wardrobe of the kingdom. You have turned for, mo- for me, Psalm 30, verse 11, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. Hallelujah. To gird means to clothe to surround, to enclose, to equip. So God has clothed us with gladness. He has equipped us with gladness. He takes off the sackcloth and he clothes us with gladness. Isaiah 61 in verse three says, Isaiah 61, chapter 61, verse three to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. He's talking about an exchange. He's like, here, here, here. Set the ashes down and and put a smile on your face. Take that mourning and set it aside. That's, we're done with that. Put that mourning aside and here's the oil of joy. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God doesn't want us wearing the spirit of heaviness. He has chosen the outfit he wants us to put on in his presence. The garment of praise. The garment of praise. That's your clothing. Put on the garment of praise. It's not going to put itself on you. You got to put it on. Put on the garment of praise. And set aside that spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Hallelujah. But I want you to see that it's not just about God getting praise or or our rejoicing causing him to be fulfilled in a sense. This is one of the ways he protects us. This is protection for us. Remember what we saw, that if we're weighed down, if we're, if we're overburdened, that weighing down and the overburdening of the heart makes it difficult to recognize what's happening around us. It makes us desensitized to to 
the promptings of the Lord. But look with me at Deuteronomy 28, and I want to show you another thing that the rejoicing and the joyful heart will protect you from. If you remember here, Deuteronomy 28, that's where the blessing is, right? But there's more in that chapter than just the blessing, isn't there? What else is in Deuteronomy 28 after the blessing? Well, the curse is listed here. It's described. And we're going to read verse 47, which has passed where the blessing ended, and it's describing part of that curse. It says, because you serve not the Lord with joyfulness. Did we see the instruction, be glad, serve him with gladness, come before his presence with singing. So that's the instruction. And we've got, we always have every reason to rejoice. No matter what we're facing, we can find a reason. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. As long as I got that, I got a reason to praise him. I got a reason to rejoice. My name, I'm not going to hell. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I can rejoice right there. Now, because you serve not the Lord with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, therefore shall you serve your enemies, which the Lord shall send against you. Now, remember, the Lord shall send against you was the Hebrew verbiage because they didn't have a permissive and a causative verbs. They only had one. And so they didn't understand the devil. They didn't know the the presence of the enemy, meaning the Satan. They didn't understand that. And so this, this is not God necessarily choosing and willfully saying, I'm going to curse you. I'm going to send the enemies against you. It's more of If you don't enter into the blessing, this is what's there. This is by default what will happen. So here's the blessing. Choose life. Choose life. Choose the blessing. And if you don't, this is what's left on the table. This is the only other option. If you don't choose to serve God with joyfulness, you become vulnerable to the curse. You become, you're out there where the curse has liberty. It has, has access. Why? Because the gladness is that protection. That joy is that protection. That joy is, is maintaining me. With joy, you'll do what? Draw out of salvation. With joy, you draw water out of the wells of salvation. So without this joy, I am, I am defenseless. He says, if you don't serve him with joyfulness, you'll serve your enemies. They'll come on you, against you in hunger and in thirst, in nakedness, in want of all things. Lack comes on people who aren't joyful. That lack is looking for somebody who's going to sing that despairing blue song of misery. Why? Because then lack has an open door. Lack has an open door. I mean, think about all those country songs that they lost everything. They, they lost their, their wife, their car, their job, their dog, the house, everything. Why? Because all that sadness just opens the door for lack to come in unrestrained. He shall put, the enemy will put a yoke of iron upon your neck until he has destroyed you. What will protect you against that? Serve the Lord with gladness. 
Be glad in him. Joy keeps you strong. The strong spirit of a man sustains him. The strong spirit, your spirit, strong with joy. Joy is strength. The strong spirit of a man sustains him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if we're, if we're negative, if we're sorrowful, if we're yielded, if we're letting that be the flow of our life, we don't have anything to resist with. So let's look at some instructions Jesus has given us. John 15. And let's look at verse 11. I'm going to have three here in this one conversation. John 15, 11. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy, my joy, my joy might remain in you. So how did he, how did he, transmit his joy. These things have I spoken unto you. I've spoken these things to impart joy that'll stay with you. What am I going to rejoice about? What he said. He said, he'll never leave me or forsake me. He said, I ask in the name of Jesus. He said, so he said, I've spoken these things that my joy might remain in you and, and so his joy remaining in us from his word. So his word, the scripture says, I received your words and they were the rejoicing of my heart. His word transmits that it's a fruit of the spirit. Joy is in, is encapsulated in that character of God, that fruit of joy. He said, I've spoken these words to transmit my joy to you. So hold on to my words so these, these, this joy will remain in you. And I want your joy full. I don't want you having a quarter tank joy. I don't want you driving on half a tank of joy. I want you to top it off every day. Every day, top off the joy tank and don't, don't, don't say, oh, well, I'm too busy and just let it go down and go down and, and find yourself on fumes. And then you got to go, go build it back up again. Back in the day, I put $5 in my tank. That was, it, that was all I would do because I had to buy cigarettes too. You know, so I got about $5. I'm going to put five in the tank. And, you know, I was always at the store. Why? Because I was always having to put my $5 in the tank. It was like $10, put t- 20 in the tank. What? Can't spend $20 on gas all at one time. But you know what? I think I spent more money $5-ing it then if I would have just kept it on full, if I would have just driven it consistently at, at a full level, just drive it and don't let it get under half tank, keep it full, and you don't spend nearly as much time going to the store. We need to do that with our joy. We need to top off the joy tank every day. Chapter 16, verse 24. 
hitherto, before now, you have asked nothing in my name. Now, so he said, I've given you my words so that my joy would, would be in you and that your joy would be full. Now he says, there's another element. Before now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask in my name, ask, and you shall receive that your joy may be full. The Weiss translation says that it might persist in that state of fullness. There it is, top off the tank. That it might persist in that state of fullness. That your joy, having been completely filled, completely full, might persist in that state of fullness. Can you live with full joy every day? Evidently, it's what God has chosen for us. Full joy every day. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be that loud, demonstrative, but there can be a fullness of joy in your heart that keeps you shining brightly at all times, right? So he said, asking in the name is a key to that joy being full. Ask in my name and you shall receive that your joy may be full. And then same chapter, let's look at, I want to actually compare this uh, translation. The Living Bible says, avert, the same verse, you haven't tried this before, but begin now. Ask using my name and you will receive and your cup of joy will overflow. That's the Living Bible. Your cup of joy will overflow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's where he wants us living. Psalm 1611 in his presence, there is fullness of joy. In his presence, right? In his presence, there's fullness of joy. So every day we enter into his presence, we rejoice in him. We, we, are, we come into his presence with singing. We're recognizing it's not just about what, see God I heard somebody say something the other day. I don't even remember exactly where I heard it because I turned it off pretty quick. But they started saying something about God has an ego. And that's why we praise him to, to, to fulfill his ego. And I'm like, uh, not my God. There's no, he is, there's no, nothing egotistical about him. Everything, when we praise him, we get more benefit out of it. He, he takes pleasure in it because the benefit we get by praising him. The, he's worthy of the praise, the only one worthy of the praise. He's worthy of the praise. All the praises do his name, but we get the benefit from it. When we praise him, our atmosphere changes. He sits on the throne of our praises and becomes Lord over that situation. When we praise him, we are strengthened. The enemy flees. We are protected. So he's, he is more pleased by how it benefits us, by us genuinely praising and glorifying him and rejoicing in him because it keeps us in that place where he can strengthen and protect us to resist the enemy. Hallelujah. 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 Well, that was worth you combing your hair and coming to church tonight. I believe that we've been helped. Would you stand with me?